0: point i'm just guessing oh the uh last of us 2 begins with a character you might be familiar with he's called dark joel
1: (laughs) joel we see a scene of ellie and joel like going through a dilapidated building because why not and the hair on the back of joel's neck stands up and he's like i feel a a presence i haven't felt in quite some time is that uh, you dark joel
0: and then they're standing in a in a pool of water and then (laughs) joel's reflection in the water stands up and is a shadow and then they have to fight but he knows all the same moves joel knows so
1: it's neat happy hamilton day everyone and welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things my name is hamilton henry and my name's Aaron Buran, and together we're Hamilton, Henry, and James. James, James. That's yeah, not his name. no, you're a James. <laughs> no, there's no Aaron Buran coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist, whatever that means.
0: It's yeah, July
1: third. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's oh, it's, wait, this episode is being released on
0: the. Uh, the, p- the, the the eve of the birth of our nation.
1: Right. Our nation is going to be 20, 20 years old. And, uh, and Hamilton is being released. It's a good time. It's a good time to be in America right now. America and the world. Is two thousand two hundred
0: twenty years old. Wait, uh, yeah, no, I meant what I said. America yeah. and the world is two thousand two hundred twenty years old, and the bones of Alexander Hamilton were put there by the devil to trick us.
1: Right, right, and let me man Miranda, known Satanist, alleged has uh, has has unearthed these bones and put them on the stage in the form of a musical. That critics are saying are, are is 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 very good. You remember
0: Alexander Hamilton's last dying words were, "Ain't gonna find my bones."
1: I know. Yes, and yeah, he also yeah he he said ain't gonna find my bones, and also he left his treasure in one piece. <laughs> yes,
0: that that is very important. Uh, nothing makes any sense in the world anymore. Uh, no, the doesn't... world is falling apart. Now, keep in mind what we just talked about. They're the only things in the world that make sense because they are true, but everything else doesn't, uh,
1: make any sense. Everything is, uh, very bad right now. And because it's so bad, I'm just gonna go ahead right into what I'm drinking tonight. John, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, this brewery, um... Or even this set of numbers before, but it's it's five one two.
0: Hold on, is that the um, uh, the 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 is that the enneagram for Austin, Texas?
1: Yes, that is the enneagram, which is a word that I know. But maybe for some of our our less educated or knowing listeners, why don't you fill them in on that word?
0: Oh, it's like an ancient personality test, like the Myers-Briggs test. You're either like an 8 or a 9, but Austin, Texas is a
1: 512. Yeah, 512. And I'm drinking 512s. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Pecan Porter. Oh, Return of the Pecan Porter. Yes, we were able to find it at a little local joint. Uh, Not a lot of people know about it. It's called uh, H-E-B. To be fair, not... A lot of
0: people know about H-E-B. Living in Texas now for about three years, I've started to say H-E-B like people say, you know, like Walmart or Kroger. Uh, Even not a lot of people know what Kroger is. uh, But turns out anyone outside of Texas really no idea what H-E-B is. I feel like Publix has a greater imprint than H-E-B does.
1: Yeah, it's like a Publix or like a Kroger or like a Rouse's or like a Schwegman's. Or yeah, like it's, like a, a, it's like a
0: Randall's or a Piggly <laughs> Wiggly or a Neighborhood Market.
1: Yeah, or like a... I think I'm out of local grocery store. Oh, a Safeway or a Costco. Or a Tesco or a Greggs. Is it? Oh, I'm thinking of H. Greg's, which is like an electronic store. Oh, you're thinking of fries. I am thinking of fries all the time. Especially potato kind. But what I'm saying is you could just. I, we just met, made use of our local H-E-B, little uh, well-kept secret here in Texas, and we used what they call the uh, curbside pickup. Oh. And just put beers in the cart and checked out online. And I was thinking that uh, they were going to tell me I didn't get it. But, no, we got two cases of this pecan porter. A robust porter brewed of organic Texas pecans, and it's really good, and the label doesn't have a whole goddamn book on it.
0: Yeah, much better than the uh, Altstadt Brewery. Now, I was thinking that I was going to buy another of the uh, the Altstadt Brewery this week uh, because that lager was so delicious, and they have a Kolsch, and are really like one of my favorite beers. Let's not talk about that. I did, however, uh, end up with a friend-recommended beer this week. It is the Community Beer Company out of Dallas, Texas, the uh,
1: Citrus Slice India Pale Ale with Citrus. All right, so it's called the Citrus Slice India Pale Ale with Citrus? With Citrus. Well, it's a Citrus Slice. Hold on. My
0: assumption being that they use Citra hops, which are really common to use in, in really citrusy pale ales but it also looks like maybe they've included an orange or a lemon or something in this beer as well
1: wait they, there's an actual orange or lemon in the beer that you just opened remember the champagne we talked about that was poured over the body
0: of a supermodel i think about it every day yes uh this beer is poured over the body of a particularly attractive lemon <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty far out man mm, certified lemon sorry It's a certified attractive lemon. Yes, it's a certified attractive lemon. Uh, But no, this beer is delicious. It was recommended by a friend. It's pretty uh, high gravity for a beer. It's like 8% or something. Uh, But it's super tasty. Very, very good. This is like a 4 or a 5
1: out of 5. Wow, that's that's pretty high praise coming from you, considering we've never rated beers before. This is on my personal scale of deliciousness,
0: and also apparently this community beer company like donates money to charities and local musicians and stuff. And they're out of Dallas, so I'm sure they don't have any of those things. But at least (laughs) the spirit's
1: there. Uh, I I love when a beer leaves. I love when a brewery lives up to its name. Yeah, like um, Anheuser Busch. All of their beers are made from Busch.
0: Yes. Uh from George Bush. Uh he is their straining ape.
1: Yeah, and Core's light. You can see right through it.
0: And uh, you know, there's Pabst.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean that uh, just kind of speaks for itself. Um my favorite one is Jester King, uh, because every time you, you go to Jester King and you, you buy a beer, you have to you don't have to. It actually it comes automatically, but you are you're tricked by an arcane trickster god, and who knows what's going to happen to you. You have no idea. You could, like, sell your firstborn for a stack of hay or something. You, you don't know what's going to happen.
0: Now, I'm not a fan of Stone Brewery, because when you drink one of their beers,
1: you are stoned. Now, when you say stoned, do you mean that in the literal biblical sense or the figurative yeah sense? I mean in the
0: literal sense. No, the literary sense, the Shirley Jackson way. Oh. You explain you, it's like winning the lottery every time.
1: Oh, the lot Shirley Jackson's the lottery. Okay. Yeah. Um. She did write the Who did Frankenstein?
0: That was uh, Mary Shelley. Ah, yes. Wait, what's Percy B. Shelley? He's Prometheus Unbound. Unimportant. Uh, This beer is delicious. I'm a big fan. It's also one of the cheaper kind of craft IPA six packs you can buy. So it has everything going for it. Wow,
1: an 8% IPA. Now that's normally you go for the juicy IPAs, but here you've clearly chosen a heavy IPA. This
0: amazingly I don't want I don't want to honk this beer's horn too much, but it's super juicy and hazy and high gravity. Like I said, it's got everything going for it. However I, I, don't. I am only drinking one of them this week because I did get pretty drunk over the weekend remembered what the sensation of a beer hangover feels like and I've decided that my other two drinks uh, will just
1: be HEB uh, brand sparkling waters. Wow, you so you also went to the secret, kind of like, well-kept secret of Texas, H-E-B.
0: No, I did not realize you could get beer curbsided to you, uh, because I typically, I don't want to uh, sound like some kind of rich guy who stands outside of my mansion holding a gun with my strung-out wife or anything, uh, but I typically get my groceries delivered.
1: Whoa, I didn't realize I was, I was talking to a Rockefeller over here. Uh. So I, so I do have to ask, like, do you, who taught you to brace that assault rifle like that? Uh, who taught me to uh, to brace
0: it like I was holding a garden hose? Exactly, like I that, that looked like an advanced spec
1: ops move.
0: Well, a lot of people, a lot of people think I learned that from my insane-looking straw-haired wife who uh, runs around with a mustard stain on her Hamburglar ass shirt and with no shoes on. Uh, but in fact, I learned it from uh, my parents who never held me accountable
1: for anything and gave me a million dollars. Wow, that's that's fascinating. But yeah, you can absolutely do curbside alcohol. You just have to present ID to uh, to be able to drive away with it. Uh, if you don't, they take it out of your car. I think they do. I um, so I don't know. <laughs> we, we both had ID, so it was fine.
0: Since I get my groceries delivered, you actually can't have beer or alcohol delivered to your home through HEB. Uh, so I always thought you just couldn't get it curbsided to either, but that is a good tip considering we live close to an
1: HEB. <laughs> uh, we also live, John, I don't know if you, you're aware of this, we live in the number one U.S. city, perhaps maybe worldwide, for new COVID cases. Yeah, I,
0: if, if at all possible, I, w- I would like to avoid going into any business to shop for groceries, hence the delivery and now the curbside.
1: Right. No, it's gotten real, real bad out here, and it's gotten to the point where I was already, like, super paranoid to begin with, and we were very, very, very much so avoiding, like, taking risks. We did go eat out on the patio of a restaurant once, and then the numbers started going back up, and now I literally have not left the house except for curbside. And it's, I just, I'm not risking it. I'm not risking it. I know I feel like I'm being paranoid, but like, I mean, I've got asthma. I am I tend to be a little bit overweight. I'm, I'm not, I'm not risking it, John.
0: I mean, if you consider yourself to be an at-risk group, I don't think there's any amount of, uh, you can't be too careful. And ultimately it's. When it comes to like low-risk, low-contact activities, I think largely that's kind of up to personal preference for people who would categorize themselves as being at risk, uh, like going out and like being on the patio of a re- of a responsible restaurant surrounded by people uh, who are at least six feet away from you. I feel like that's something that healthy people can do largely unimpeded. However, the problem is when those things start to slide and people start, I mean, you've seen the pictures and used, you know the numbers, you know how people yeah. fuck this up. Uh, I feel like there is a certain very small amount of normalcy that people can get back to. But we, living in the, the toxic myth of individuality that persists within American culture, we get that little tiny bit of permissible, responsible freedom and we totally misuse it.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's definitely like they gave us an inch an inch. And people took a mile. Like, it, it's definitely like, you know, we Texas started reopening and then people flocked to the parks and droves and to the swimming pools and watering holes, what have you, and, and just did a bunch of, of activities they shouldn't have done. And it's it's just like we're reaping the, the consequences. And, of course, everyone wants to play the blame game right now. And they're blaming, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests when it's like other cities – protested just as much, if not more, than Austin, Dallas, and Houston, and yet they're not seeing the same numbers, and none of those other cities opened up like we did, so I'm pretty sure we can eliminate the common denominator, and what's left remaining is the cause, and it's the reopening, not the protests.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at Minneapolis. Were the the epicenter of the protests, and they were they did not open their economy to the degree that we did, and they didn't see the same spike in numbers, even though they had the most people out in the street demonstrating. Uh, yeah, it is it is truly uh, ridiculous and terrifying because just to give you an example, we have actually uh, dined on the patios of three different restaurants. Wow, you're three times as brave as I am. Uh, twice was at one of our favorite coffee shops okay uh they also have great tacos uh so we went there the first time and this is the first place we visited since everything opened up kind of opened up and we were one of maybe three or four parties all the tables were very spaced apart for the most part you could tell that if people were sitting at tables there were groups of like Two, three, maybe four people, they were wearing their masks when they weren't eating. They were being very careful. When we walked up to a table, we saw that it got wiped down and cleaned before we went over there. And I was like, this is it. This is the level of openness that I'm comfortable with. Right. Because nothing about me felt too weird about that, because I'm like, the food we're eating is basically the same as if we had had it delivered. It's just being prepared here, and it's not in the hands of, like, an intermediary It just goes straight to us, and these people are a comfortable distance away from us. The second time, we went to that same coffee shop a week later expecting the same safe experience to be able to enjoy the limited amount of freedom we have to keep from going insane. The doors had been blown off. Tables had seven or eight people at them. People people had dogs that were just running around licking one person, running up and licking another. Everyone was talking and sharing food, moving between tables and no one was wearing a mask. I was like, this is it. This is how we fucked it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the span of a week, you went from like a, you know, appropriate, countermeasures being taking place to complete reckless abandon it's it and you know the
0: restaurant i don't want to shame any restaurants even though there are some restaurants that definitely deserve shaming but the restaurant was like trying its best it was wiping down tables keeping things six feet apart but people would like pick up tables and move them closer oh no 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 it was uh truly truly horrifying uh, and I can't think about this matter too much because then it becomes literally uh, reckoning with the fact that we have we have made like a part of this toxic individualist culture. We've made a political and ideological stance out of wantonly
1: killing people. Uh, and that <laughs> yeah. is something we can look at every day. And it really gets to me. No, you know, Twitter has been uh, just a nightmare lately with the arguments people are having about just the simplest thing that should not have ever been politicized, but just wearing a mask. And, you know, we don't have to get into it because I've, I've gotten into it way too much already in my everyday life. But it's just like, yeah, no, this is just a human decency thing, a, a small menial task that you can do to help save the lives of others. And people are, are, are standing against it for political reasons. And there's nothing more infuriating than that. So let's not dwell on that. I'm going to instead distract you with uh, something that happened uh, at, at our dine-in restaurant experience, but uh, they didn't have menus anymore. Instead, they had a QR, table, a QR code on the table that redirected you to the website's menu, which I thought was really cool. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, for some reason, I hadn't even thought of, you know, of course they're not putting menus on tables because that's communicable, that people are touching it and stuff, and it's that's just not a good surface. But uh, I, I just never thought QR codes, of all things, being used like that, just because, to me, QR codes kind of came and went. I think the only
0: way, I love that idea, and I think that more places should do it, Uh, I know that a couple places are making it so they've either developed apps or repurposed apps that they have right now so that you order your food from the table, uh, which is very, very smart and cool. Uh, Some places are requiring you to order via phone or via app before you even enter the restaurant, which is perfect. Yeah. I I think uh, places are getting smarter about that. And this is something I kind of offhandedly mentioned Uh, before the podcast began, but I, I think a real concern that I had, and I never want to give corporate America too much credit because there are uh, very few greater evils in the world, in my opinion. Uh, but I think that it's very scary that we've ended up in a place that corporate America seems to be taking this more seriously than our state and local governments.
1: Right. Our yeah. Federal,
0: state and local governments. Uh, because pretty much most of the businesses I interact with seem to not want people to die. And they might just be <laughs> doing that out of uh, out of fear of liability, if anything were to happen. Because typically speaking, I think that corporate America does things out of pure self-interest. Uh, however, when you have... People at the federal and the state level pretty much mandating you to be unsafe and to kill people. But you have restaurants, even chain restaurants, like Chipotle being like, yo, order from the app and we'll make your food for you. Please don't come up and talk to us.
1: Right. It could come from a self-interest sort of space where corporations have realized, unlike our current administration, that if everybody's dead, no one can spend money. And so while, you know, a certain current sitting president may actively be trying to kill his base for some reason, Chipotle wants you in a month or two's time to be able to order that burrito bowl again and give them that $20 so they don't want you to to risk your life. That's kind of my read on it as a more cynical kind of take. But it, it is telling that corporations are, are absolutely being smarter about this and, and putting practices and, and policies into place more so than our our local and state and federal governments. I think maybe this might be very
0: damaging because I think this might actually give us going into the future decades worth of talking points for these kind of like objectivist Milton Friedman uh More like Ayn Rand types who believe that there is a great chain uh, and we can all pull on it collectively and capitalism is the best tool to do so because if you force everyone to work out of their own best interest, they will work towards the best interests of the whole. Uh, Obviously, that is proven to not be the case and is untrue. Uh, However, if you were to look at what's happening with the coronavirus and the corporate response, you could maybe make that argument more credibly than you could a year ago.
1: Right. Yeah. I I just never thought I would see the day where capitalism or cap entities of capitalism care more so about just the everyday people than the American government like a, a, as a, a an anti-capitalist and anti-government person it's very interesting to see them split. <laughs>
0: And, you know, as long as we're using Chipotle as an example, I ate Chipotle for dinner. I regret every instant of it. Um, Oh, no. But but it was easy and nearby. Um, But I, I do feel like if Chipotle could figure out some way for you to be able to order Chipotle while you're on a ventilator, they would not be making the same uh adjustments they are now if they could secure a customer base that is sick but not necessarily dying i think they'd do that just the same so i don't think that they're i don't think that they're making decisions for people's benefit i think that they're making decision and making decisions and as a consequence people are benefiting or at least not being as unsafe as they could be otherwise
1: right right yeah chipotle's r&d haven't really nailed the uh the, the beef burrito bowl IV yet, but once they get that settled and squared away, and you can get your delish, delicious burrito beef bowl delivered intravenously, they'll they'll be like yeah yeah come in you know go to the you know Saint uh, Saint David's Chipotle Hospital when you get sick, and you know they've got they've got the beef bowl IV on tap.
0: I mean, look, we saw how recently, we saw quickly, rather, corporations pivoted to, uh, like, the Charmin Bears being like, hey, we know it's tough out there, and you're all scared, but, you know, the toilet paper's still the fucking best. I'd say maybe four or five months before there's an ad for, like, Glade that's like, hey, is your room in the ICU starting to smell bad?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know. We're all visiting family in the hospital right now, but have you noticed that weird septic smell in your your geriatric grandfather's room? Well, here at Glade, we want you to deal with the possibility of losing a loved one while thinking of a spring meadow. (laughs)
0: Yes. While while you look into their eyes as they pass away, wouldn't you like to smell pumpkin spice?
1: Yeah. Here at St. David's Glade Hospital...
0: I mean, we we say all these things as ridiculous jokes. However, uh, it doesn't take too much extrapolation to understand that that is the reality that we live in, in which the, the narratives that are forced to us through capital are literally telling us, hey, isn't this the way you could make your awful, drudgery, artificial life better? Don't you hate traffic that we caused? Don't you hate sitting in a car all day? that we built don't you wish you could be free instead of stuck on a road which we forced the united states to be covered in rather than having roads being uh communal spaces for walkers runners and cyclists then you should uh download this app that you can watch quibi you can watch quibi while you wait in traffic quibi (laughs) oh my god We are literally living in the glade in your ICU room world right now, but it just feels normal because they made it normal.
1: Look, during these uncertain times, we know it's hard to wait for the doctor to come back to your room with your latest COVID update. Why don't you fill that 10-minute gap with one of our excellent star-studded shows on Quibi?
0: (laughs) (laughs) listen i know that it's you're going through the hardest time of your life and we will all probably carry trauma triggers from this event for the rest of our lives this is a time and a knowledge and images that you will die with we at quibi have a television show where peter dinklage in front of a webcam, reads fan fiction about the Power Rangers. <laughs> we uh, paid him $12
1: million an episode. So I actually do have a legitimate Quibi update, not to detract from our conversation, but... Oh, wait, just, on. What, what on. is the
0: speed of this update? Is it quick? It's, pretty, it's a quick bite. Okay, so it's a... qu quote quip... Qu- a quick
1: quip, quick quote 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 date A quip-date. Uh, so I'm just going to work it into this next pitch. <laughs> during times such as these where we don't know what's around the corner, why not fall back to what's familiar? We know you love the Princess Bride. That's why we, Quibi, during this time of COVID, remade it for our platform and it's starting to release next Monday. This is not a joke. This is a real thing that's going to happen. They remade the princess bride and they were releasing it on your phone. Uh, that's hilarious. Isn't the princess
0: bride about, uh, a, a sick child being ameliorated
1: with a half remembered tale by an old man. It's exactly that. Yeah, it, it is a bedridden child who p- could possibly have COVID. I'm not... Look, they didn't get writers for Quibi, so they, the, whoever pieced this abomination together probably was like, oh, we could tie it into modern times, and that's exactly what it is. Oh, I just... It's such ill-fated. There was a... Uh,
0: something happened recently... Um, where there was, like, a Zoom reunion meeting for Parks and Rec or The Office or something. It's Parks and, and Rec. It was Parks and Rec. Um, and I don't know. I This did not seem to be a popular opinion, but it is the one thing that I felt when I saw that news. I thought, how sad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, they were doing it to raise money, and they did end up raising a lot of money, so...
0: Well, in that's that, good.
1: Yeah, and that in that case, I can't fault them. But as somebody watched it, it wasn't good. I don't know. Like, it just wasn't. It's just don't do it. Just don't do. No one should should make COVID related media. Like, it we should all collectively agree to skip over this this time period. And the, our creative endeavors. I think I've said this before and news is coming out that Sonny in Philadelphia is going to touch COVID and Larry David's show, whatever it's called, Curb Your Enthusiasm, just got renewed for an 11th season. It's like, so he's obviously going to touch on COVID because he's producing the show now. But it's like, can we all just like pretend this didn't happen in our, in our media? Cause we're already inundated with it every day. Well, here's my thing. I
0: feel like coronavirus media, the one thing I'll say is 9-11 rules. What I mean is like we follow the same media rules we did for 9-11 where we don't talk about it for months or maybe even a year or two after it happens because of the scope of the tragedy. I did not want that to be misconstrued as me saying that 9-11 rules, which um, for the record it does, uh, 9-11 slaps, Uh, kidding. Uh, what the? F- <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm kidding. I, for one, don't
1: think 9/11 was a good thing. But I'll <laughs> let you finish.
0: God damn it! That that <laughs> that evergreen rhetorical device. Uh, but no, I, I think that maybe COVID is 9/11 rules, where you can talk about it as an element in a character's past. Maybe a year from now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like can a backstory.
0: Can you imagine media in a year or two? They're going to be like, hey, did you hear? He lost his dad in COVID.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, it would be great if all shows collectively agreed to just do a one year time skip. Just one year into that show's future. You know, all the plot lines, just kind of like, I don't know what they do, but they the, every show, even like fucking Modern Family, whatever the vapid sitcom is that people like right now, just collectively agree to skip one year into the future, and then we just move on with our lives. Uh, That would be great. I would
0: like any excuse not to think about coronavirus. Uh, And also, since our listeners are probably thinking the same thing, maybe we should move on from coronavirus.
1: Let's do that. I believe one of us has prepared some material for today and the other one of us is going to ride their coattails. Yep, so Henry, take it away with your prepared material. Alright, today I've got a little ditty I like to call John Presents a Thing That's Happening. Uh, Yeah, this is a, wow, this is a brand new segment um,
0: premiering just today. I need to open my second beverage for this. (laughs) Ooh, that was an explosive opening from this H-E-B unsweetened sparkling water lime.
1: Is it it's a good? Is it good? Is it? Is it delicious? Do you love it? I think the H-E-B sparkling
0: water is really good. Might be a little bit better than LaCroix, a little bubblier. It's more like a big swig, if you know what I mean. Less of a Waterloo, if you know what I mean. I know exactly all your references, but I don't think our family cares. Great. Uh, so what I would like to present is a quick little update, uh, a quep-date, if you will. God damn it. Now, I know, what was it, two, three weeks ago, uh, we were talking about now-shamed author J.K. Rowling.
1: Right, yes. There was a thing that happened on Twitter where she made fun of a thing, and and doing so, completely erased trans people. And then she doubled down on it way too hard. Uh, So how long ago was that? Maybe three weeks. I want to say two weeks. Two weeks? Okay, that that makes more sense. No, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Last week was Christy Elia. The week before that was Ron Perlman. The week before that was Ray Gall. Three weeks, you're absolutely correct.
0: Okay, so three weeks ago we talked about J.K. Rowling.
1: Um,
0: And the thing that beggared belief at the time... Uh, three weeks ago was that JK Rowling said this thing that erased trans identity, got called out for, and then proceeded to, in a days long span, uh, defend herself using a, a litany of, of strange rhetorical techniques, including and kind of, uh, showcased by trying to erase trans identity, uh, by turning to a page of radical feminism where abuse or violence against women defines their stories and cannot be used to talk about trans people, basically uh, putting her identity through a prism of abuse. Uh, And we were amazed that she had been doing this for days. Well, Henry, I've got news that Train has continued unabated to today.
1: Wait, so during the the, the the intermary, intermary, that's not a word, during the gap between when we last covered her and now, she's she's just, she's kept going like a, a speeding locomotive? Uh, as recently
0: as June 28th, I don't know if she's stopped, but there has been an update. All right. So just to give you some context, on June 28th of 2020, uh, just to, to lead in, I'll give you the tweet preceding it. This was, by the way, one of the tweets in one of her uh, many, many tweet threads defending her pretty indefensible actions. Uh, this is a tweet thread number seven out of nine. Uh, J.K. Rowling said, when so-called leftists like at Lloyd underscore RM, I don't know who that is, demand that we give up our hard-won sex-based rights, they align themselves squarely with men's rights activists, uh, untrue uh kind of a gross statement. To both groups, female trauma is white noise and, and irrelevance, or else exaggerated or invented. Once again, putting the, the narrative purely through one of abuse. Uh, essentially, the point that she's making uh, is that you would be minimizing and extinguishing the, the power of female stories by including trans people because the female story is defined uh, by a litany of abuses. Uh, the female story being defined by a litany of abuses is not something I necessarily disagree with, but it's something that she leans on. Does that make sense so far? Right. So, what she tweeted after that, tweet eight of nine in the thread, uh, she's uh, quoting uh, feminist author Andrea Dworkin. And she says, Andrea Dworkin wrote, men often react to women's words, speaking and writing, as if they were acts of violence. Sometimes men react to women's words with violence. Uh, end quote. It isn't hateful for women to, it isn't hateful for women speak about their own experiences, nor do they deserve shaming for doing so. Uh, and that tweet in and itself, other than the Andrea Dworkin quote, I don't think stands out that
1: much. Uh, however, something happened to that tweet. So uh, is this one of those things where people iterated on it with jokes?
0: No, Stephen King retweeted it. Oh, the king, the kingmaker himself. Yes, the kingmaker himself, the writer of books. Uh, now, if you look at it in a vacuum, uh, what J.K. Rowling is saying here is very easily retweetable. I think everything that she's stating is, is pretty accurate and easy to agree with from a certain point of view, a point of view that I do share. Uh, However, uh, Stephen King uh, retweeting that uh, set JK Rowling off because she felt like finally she was getting some hard, credible backup in her long, long, weeks-long, (laughs) months-years-long Uh, fight against <laughs> people who say that she uh, routinely makes an effort to uh, erase trans identity. So in response to roll to King retweeting it, Rowling responded uh, in a, in a tweet that makes me want to retch. Uh, I've always revered at Stephen King, but today my love reached maybe not Annie Wilkes levels. Very, uh, is it possible to simp for Stephen King? Um, <laughs> he doesn't really have an Oli fans. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but maybe not even Annie Wilkes levels. That's It's just gross. It's gross to throw that in there. Uh, that's the main character from Misery. So, I don't know. It seems, it seems slavish. It seems... I don't know. I don't like when people do that. When they call out people's work. Uh, specifically it's like a little easter egg when they're praising them uh but i'm always revered at stephen king uh but today my love has reached maybe not annie wilkes levels but new heights it's so much easier for men to ignore women's concerns or to belittle them uh, but i won't ever forget the men who stood up when they didn't need to thank you stephen
1: Uh, please Uh, tell me this goes somewhere better Oh, it absolutely does. Uh,
0: So where we are right now, it appears as though J.K. Rowling has received backup from Stephen King. Stephen King uh, is now firmly in uh, her circle of not allowing trans people an identity. Uh, So she responded to that. However, it does take a turn. Uh, Stephen King then tweeted, same day, June 28th. Uh, Let me see. It actually happened an hour later. (laughs) Stephen King tweeted, yes, trans women are women.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He retweeted. So what it sounds like is he saw maybe that one tweet by Rowling, maybe out of context and retweeted it thinking like, yeah, I can agree with that not as egregious tweet because I don't really know what's going on. And then was, you know, quickly informed about what was happening. And then just like, instead of backpedaling, it was just like, trans women are women. Came out. It seems to be, I I
0: imagine one of his literary friends uh, liked it or retweeted it. He saw it, thought it made sense, and hit that RT button like we do. And then people probably told him, hey, this is what's going on. We need to hear this from you so people don't think uh, that you're excluding trans people. Uh, so, what do you think Rowling's response to that was?
1: I can't believe you jumped on my clout for clout, and now you're clouting in the wrong clout rection.
0: Even that would have a little bit of decency to it. Instead, she just deleted the tweet where she praised Stephen King. no. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> so, she thought so she weird. had fought. She, she's in the thick of war. The There's there's fog all over the battlefield. And she's she's dug herself a foxhole. And then, you know, mortar shells are coming in and bombing her location. And she, she's like just alone and, and trying to stand up for what she believes in. And then she sees on the other side of the foxhole, it's Stephen King. And he, he, he looks like he's going to support her. Then he shoots her. And he, <laughs> she, she like just looks away like he doesn't exist and continues to fight
0: i i have no idea why it's so cowardly it's it's so cowardly to have that interaction and then say oh wait no i don't want people to see that i was praise even even then it it shows how baldly and and truly she does not want to give a voice to any dissenting opinion about trans identity, in that she was part of an interaction that did not go her way, and then she immediately recanted her praise so that people could not see it.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's classic uh, writer, you know. She edited her work by omitting it. She she, she had to revise <laughs> I just want to say one thing
0: about... I mean, her revisions have been great so far. Wizards take a shit out of their pant leg and then disappear the poop. Um, right. There are no bathrooms in Hogwarts. She's very good about changing the text after the fact, so no one should really be surprised here. Uh, however, I would like to maybe close this thought, unless there's something else that you want to talk about with how gross J.K. Rowling is. Uh, but I just want to say uh i i don't know where this quote is from uh i'm I'm sure one of our listeners probably knows uh and it's a paraphrase but remember uh, if the time should come when you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy uh remember what happened to the author who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of jk rowling remember (laughs) stephen
1: king (laughs) that's pretty great so yeah remember
0: stephen king
1: Points to Stephen King for being progressive when he is absolutely he, – he's entitled to a crotchety old man status by now. But I feel like he's always been not, okay, no, that's a bad sense. I feel like Stephen King is a man of learning and growth, whereas he has had problematic things in the past. And he's he's learned from them and grown from them in a progressive manner and so i'm glad to see him land on the right side of history on this that's all i had to say <laughs> yeah i
0: think that stephen king maybe embodies a it's an archetype we don't see a lot in the genre of uh, old white dudes but at least in his in his twitter and media presence he seems to generally be of the opinion that he's okay with people telling him that the way he lives his life or lived his life or executed his art is incorrect, and he is willing to apologize and grow from those things.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, he, he did cocaine for years and he, he had to go through rehab to get off of it. And like, so that's he, he's gone through the physical difficulty of going through a difficult change. And I feel like that's left him more open to emotionally go through changes when people tell him, hey, what you're doing is problematic or you have a problem with the way you're seeing this. He's like, oh, please explain what's problematic and I'll work on it. Uh, And I don't want to get like, uh, I don't know, maybe not to the level of what was the name of the girl from misery? Oh, Annie Wilkes any Wilkes levels about it but like I really feel like he's kind of a decent guy now while also acknowledging the weird underage train session in it Uh, yes Uh, you know I I guess I
0: never looked at how he uh, how he accounted for that after the fact whether he thought it was a good literary choice or not
1: uh, or whether well, he, he still considers it to be like a, a valid literary choice he's kind of said of some of the books that he wrote during that time period that he doesn't remember writing them um and he, he credits that to the cocaine so it could be like he just doesn't really remember why he made those literary choices or he's using the cocaine as like a fog uh uh like a shield so that he doesn't have to answer those questions.
0: Oh yes. The cocaine shield, a very powerful wizard spell.
1: I wonder if JK Rowling
0: can, uh, can also say that when she wrote all these turf tweets, she was high on cocaine.
1: It's funny. Cause she was an alcoholic at the beginning of uh, the Harry Potter series. Like she wrote the initial outlines of Harry Potter, on, like, the back of a bar napkin. That might not be true. I might be conjecting. I might be misremembering or or, or something else. But, uh... You know what? I don't know enough about it, so I take back everything I just said. <laughs> okay. See, <laughs> so, so you're willing to learn and grow. Well, that that's something I, I've been, you know, more actively trying to do as of late, since I often speak f- from a place of conjecture or half-remembered truths. And so I'm trying to cut down on that. Yeah, I can't find anything, anything, about, anything that. about her being <laughs> alcoholic. I made it up. I'm a bad person. I'm the one. I'm the one you should cancel. It's, it's just interesting that that, that came up because that was a fascinating yarn. I was willing to believe it because it was a good story. That's my power, John. But I do. I thought the bar napkin thing was at least true, but it might have been just uh, what was here. At Wasn't the she like a
0: server or something? And that's where she wrote it on napkins or whatever?
1: That could be. Because when I type in Harry Potter bar napkin, you know what you get? What? From Amazon.com, you can buy Harry Potter beverage napkins. Incredible. <laughs> so I guess. It wasn't a bar napkin. Yeah, it looks like she was a single mother. I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time uh, uh, talking about her on, stupid hold life. Hold on. J.K. Rowling reveals she came up with Hogwarts, Hogwarts houses on the back of an airplane vomit bag. Oh. So, so she right. was a vomitaholic. That's not even a half-remembered truth. That's a, I didn't remember anything about the story. And I just made up another story that happened to be slightly
0: true. Do you remember when uh, Albert Einstein was was riding the train from his home to his work, and he looked at his watch, and they saw a building receding into the distance, and then he came up with the idea that uh, time was relative. The entire time that happened, he was high out of his mind on heroin. Uh, he was a junkie shooting up every day. Uh, he was 45 years old. He had, he'd robbed 1500 people. (laughs)
1: They leave that part out of the history
0: books. Yeah. And then when he, he, he thought up E equals MC square. So he carved it on the back of a child. It was out of paper at the time. Yeah, he was out of paper because he had used it as rolling
1: papers for his heroin habit, which is how you do heroin. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people remember the Oppenheimer quote, you know, I I am become death destroyer of worlds. But what they leave out is the next line. Now pass that popper. Let's get busy. Pass that popper. That's right. Hand it to Opper in high. Yeah. Yeah, he was on poppers the entire time. That's crazy. Animal nitrate? Yeah, a- a- animal nitrate. <laughs> he, he was uh, he,
0: he was extracting the nitrates from animals and that did a lot of, them.
1: That did a lot of things in that Tennessee Valley Authority compound. Now, uh, we all know Gandhi. Yeah, the hunger striker. You know why he never ate? You'll tell me. Yeah, he he
0: never um yep. <laughs> um he never ate cuz he smoked so many cigarettes. Also, people think that he went on a hunger strike, but all he did was strike people who were hungry. Oh no, a literal hunger strike. Yeah, and also he um uh he was addicted to nicotine patches. <laughs>
1: he was smoking and also addicted to nicotine patches. Hey, you know Buddha? Oh, right. You know why he always ate? You'll tell uh, me.
0: <laughs> uh, Buddha was always eating because he was so high on weed, baby.
1: Sounds about, sounds about right. He also stole women. <laughs> no wonder he found nirvana you know this, this is uh, bad uh, he,
0: he found enlightenment sitting under that tree that tree was a giant pot
1: leaf baby <laughs> that sounds about right to me yeah i don't what know I if we mad? could i don't know if we could say that jk rowling was high when she wrote all these turf tweets because um, that would suggest a pattern of substance abuse that would be debilitating Because this has been going on for so long. Yeah, I mean,
0: if we were were to ascribe some kind of substance-based reasoning behind this, I'd feel bad just because it's apparently a habit she can't kick. And you know what? If this isn't caused by a substance, she must be addicted to being a turf.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she must have a real turf problem where she can't shake it. She can't kick it. She's she can't she can't kick it on the turf. Turf
0: makes it easier to kick things. Ask with turf. You would think, but not in this case. Apparently, apparently not. What are we talking about? Have we already canceled J.K. Rowling? We replaced
1: her. Her. We replaced her as the author of Harry Potter uh, with Hatsune Miku.
0: Ah, uh, yes, Hatsune Miku wrote Harry Potter. I forgot. And now, unfortunately, J.K. Rowling, unfortunately, did write the Cuckoo Bird Murders or whatever that bad mystery book she wrote under a pen name that no one bought. Uh, the Vacancy Thing? Uh, yeah. Curious Vacancy or something? A Rural Juror? <laughs> That's,
1: a, a, rural? 30 Rock,
0: That's was, a 30 Rock joke. It was, um, uh, She wrote Knives Out? No, she didn't. That was Ryan Johnson. (laughs) You're right. Sorry. I don't know. The Casual Vacancy. There we go. Why did I think it had something about, like, Cuckoo Bird in the title? You were thinking of One
1: Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
0: Oh, right. I was. I
1: don't know. You were thinking of the famous... uh, James Patterson, Along Came a Cuckoo Bird. I
0: actually genuinely was thinking of that, James. Is that a, is that a real book? No. no. You're lying. How dare you lie to me. Oh, The James Cuckoo's Cuckoo. Calling. It is a novel by J.K. Rowling. Never heard of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Published under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith in 2013. My memory's better than yours.
1: I, who cares? Um, why would she use a man's name? I don't know. Isn't that kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into this, but isn't that, she's a woman using (laughs) a man's name. Hmm.
0: I, I think what it actually was is she was trying to pull like a Bronte sisters, assuming that more people would buy her book if it had a man's name on it. However, it completely and totally backfired, and then she had to come out like the Wizard of Oz and be like, No, it was me the
1: whole time. <laughs> if the Wizard of Oz famously said, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Not I was, I... look at me! I was the man behind the curtain.
0: That's gonna suck though because I'm almost certain she did it to prove that she could uh, succeed on her writing chops alone, and she couldn't.
1: Yeah, no, it's really hard to to do that. Half it's of cr- getting, half of getting like people to read you is just having a, a name behind you. There are so many poorly written books that are released just because the person has released a book before in the past.
0: I do think that. Um, I mean, I, I never want to be, it's a weird thing to say now because we've condemned her so much. I do think that the Harry Potter books are good. They are, yes.
1: That's uh, why, I, I, well, that's why instead of canceling the whole series, we reassigned it to Hatsunomiku so people can still enjoy the artfulness and, uh, the important lessons that the series has to offer without acknowledging how bad she is. Yeah, I, it, it's difficult
0: because I, I feel like in these conversations I often sound like I'm saying that they're bad books or people should feel bad for reading them, and I don't believe that that's true at all.
1: Right. I might have hiccuped. Uh, you're going to have to get rid of that. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a time-honored... Time-honored, that's not right. But it's a, it's a discussion that really goes back so many decades and there's no answer about divorcing the art from the artist. Wait. Yeah. D- divorcing the art from the artist. Um, and there's a lot of people who say that it's impossible to do. There's a lot of people say that you shouldn't do it because to, to honor one isn't to some way honor the other. I like to keep an open mind in that I think all things are possible. I think it's absolutely possible to honor a work with, while distancing the work itself from the person who created it. Just because I've written I, I, as a, as a writer myself, I've written things before that I don't necessarily believe just because it suited the story. It, it's just a part of creation that you, you draw things from all places outside of yourself and inside of yourself. And so it's possible for an absolute monster to create good work. It's just a really difficult decision to, or discussion to have. I feel like
0: the, the conversation that we do pretty often, I was like, can you have someone's creation without them? I don't know that you can entirely i think that you can largely divorce a creator from their creation but i think that there's always going to be something of them that lives in it right like a horcrux yeah like a like a horse curse um but i just don't think that you can always totally say let's take kevin spacey for example right You can never watch a Kevin Spacey movie 100% the same way again or a Woody Allen movie. And I don't care how much time passes. As long as the knowledge of those people exists, you can still watch and enjoy what they've done and condemn them. But your enjoyment is inexorably tainted. Inexorably has to exist knowing that there is a certain amount of condemnation that is happening in your mind.
1: Yeah. Your enjoyment of the piece or appreciation of the piece will always be marred by the reminder of the real world things that happened. But for a certain instance, uh, Orson Scott Card later in life turned out to be a horrible, horrible person. But none of that influences Ender's Game. Like, because he wrote Ender's Game before he was a horrible person, it's not marred by what came later. And you could argue that he was a horrible person the entire time. That's fair. But I can't read the things that make him a horrible person into Ender's Game and and change it because it's not present.
0: I I totally understand what you mean. Like we can't read Ender's game and we shouldn't read Ender's game through the lens of I'm reading something that is the product of someone who is ideologically monstrous. Uh, But what I'm saying is that there is an implicit and inescapable knowledge in reading Ender's game that you are reading something of someone who eventually turned into a monster i do feel like our our brains are pretty good at like doing that arithmetic like you can watch a movie that john voight was in when he was young and enjoy it and know nothing of john voight as he was young and assume innocence but at no point when you're watching that do you ever totally a hundred percent forget that older john voight is like kind of a racist weirdo yeah So I I think that there's always a a little bit in there, and I'm not saying that you can't enjoy it, but you will always be aware of it. Like, if there comes a movie that I watch with Kevin Spacey in it that truly makes me forget about the concept of Kevin Spacey, I will be amazed. Uh, But I cannot imagine that happening.
1: It doesn't help that he always plays murderers, creeps, and people with oddly weird lines, like, I was blinded by the balls on that boy... Ugh! Just incredible. That's from Baby Driver. Really? I totally forgot that line. Yeah, he he, he describes a baby like that because uh, he was blinded by the guts to hotwire his car. I wonder if that was an ad lib on his part. He's
0: like, "Hey, can I say this line?" <laughs> I've got yeah. <laughs>
1: The, the line that's written is written as "I was really impressed by his gumption," which I don't feel like my character would say. I feel like my character would reference the specific part of the anatomy that I'm attracted to on him.
0: Yeah, how often can I? How often can I get this character to say uh, "boy" and "balls" in the same sentence? Also, can I deliver this line while holding a weird teacup? Uh, while staring directly at the camera uh, in bad lighting in a
1: southern accent. No, okay, well,
0: I'll work on my own thing later.
1: (laughs) And Edgar Wright was like, "Uh, mm, I don't know, I guess you have more clout than I do, but also at the same time, I'm Edgar Wright. Well, just do a take and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll do a take. We'll see what happens. I'm sure nothing. I'm sure your reputation will never be marred in the future and make this seem strange.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's one of those Bojack Horseman flashbacks where they reference something in the past that happens in the future. Ha ha! It's gonna be very strange to be a writer or a
0: director and work very closely with someone who ends up being a creep. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you got to think like, did I miss some signs, like? assuming you weren't complicit of which many people in Hollywood probably were to all these people. Right. But to work that closely with someone and later find out you're like, man, I gave him notes. I congratulated
1: him (laughs) on things. We had a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. I, I said it was an honor to work with him because he had all this prestige, but it turns out he was a creep. And and that 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 ad-lib about boy balls, what the fuck was that?
0: I said, please stop turning on the cameras and looking directly into them and saying, (laughs) let me be frank before someone catches you and turns
1: them off. (laughs) These are all normal things I said to him. And you you, you look back at the interviews, it's like, well, how is everybody on set? And they're like, Kevin Spacey, he's he's such a trickster. He's such a prankster. He keeps looking directly into the camera and and saying, let me be Frank. And it's just like, (laughs) it's, he's always had us laughing in between takes. Yeah. He keeps inviting us to
0: this place called little St. James. What a, what a prankster. What a fun guy.
1: Yeah. I do have an update on something. Speaking of Hollywood people protecting each other, uh, there was a hashtag circulating this very morning, John. Huh, a morning hashtag? A morning hashtag. I woke up to this hashtag. It was a hashtag wake up call, if you will. Uh I, I wanna be very accurate with this hashtag, so I'm I'm kind of vamping for time to look up. We we definitely quote uh t- quote tweeted it and retweeted it this morning. Uh the hashtag was hashtag lock up Brian Singer. Oh hell yeah. It seems like in recent days with all the things going on, uh, somebody, apparently somebody tweeted out about a Mark Collins rector. I don't know who that is, but in connected to that is a list of names of the people who ran a powerful child rape ring, this is I'm quoting, which extends from the BBS area era to the cryptocurrency area era, Jesus, and ties throughout entertainment and Silicon Valley from Disney executives to crypto circles and social media, featuring Brian Singer, Gary Goddard, Jeffrey Sh- Sh- Sachs, Mitchell Blut, David Newman, David Geffen, Sandy Gallen, Terry Semel, Michael Huffington, Garf Ancier, Gary Gersh, John Silva, Mark Nathanson, Steve Bannon, Makes Jeffrey sense. Jeffrey Epstein, well Al yeah Al Sekel, and more. And because of this specific, this is uh, from Op Death Eaters on Twitter. This is a very long thread filled with a lot of information, a lot of uh, sources, a lot of going through the timeline. He goes through this timeline of all of the instances that point to this being a thing. And coming out of this, people latched on to the fact that Brian Singer has been attached to this for a very long time and has never been held accountable. And so it it was trending this morning on, on Twitter Or last night, 20 hours ago. I don't know how to do time. Uh, Lock Up Brian Singer was absolutely trending on Twitter for the first time I think I've ever seen. And so hopefully maybe something will come out of this. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I very much hope so. I will say that the two two news articles I see mentioning this are uh, number one. An article that uses the term netizens, which immediately I discredit.
1: Oh, that's that's terrible. Uh, and the other
0: article, when I click on it, the pop-up ad says the president wants to know who stood with him against the terrorist organization Antifa. Uh, so there's a lot going on there. Uh, but yes, absolutely lock up Brian Singer. I hope it gets traction. I feel like Brian Singer. You and I are, like, tuned into this, so we're, like, the people who have been... We, I think we decried this
1: last week. Last we, week with we, Chris right? Yeah, and Michael Bay and, and, you know, people like that. And we definitely decried Brian Seager last week. And so that's really why I'm bringing it up, just because it was so recently that we were talking about this.
0: But I think the thing that we decried is the people who... Uh, stand by when something happens with like a, a Michael Bay uh, where you, or a Christy Elliott, where you can go back and look at interviews or footage where people are like, Yeah, that guy's a creep and he should be in prison. And everyone laughs and no one does anything. You and I have been on the Brian Singer tip for a while. And I feel like you and I are like two of the people who are seeing this happen live and no one is doing anything about it.
1: No, it feels like we live in a, a weird reverse parallel world or something where we can see it and no one else can, and like we see the, the not even the we we see the consequences of it. Like they pulled him off. What was it called? The Freddie Mercury Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. They pulled him off that after he did like ninety percent of the work because they didn't want it to be marred by the controversy of him having directed it. But in the end, he still basically directed it, and it still won awards, and so it still falls into that weird Hollywood protection trap of, we don't like this person, but we love the work they do, and so we're going to protect them. I I don't... Oh, go ahead. Well, I just don't get why this keeps happening. And then, like, their director's... What's that guy's name? Roman Polanski who's just, he's, like, safeguarded in Europe, even though he did terrible things? And and still receives standing ovations.
0: Uh, What I I will say, uh, if we want to get into Zero Credits Conspiracy Brain, uh, the ZCCB, so we've talked about the concept of a limited hangout on this series before, right? The idea that, there is an acceptable loss for a criminal organization that they will feed uh, to law enforcement or to the public as an acceptable loss to kind of let off steam. Uh, So let's say a a criminal organization could be like a pressure cooker, right? And then it reaches a fever pitch where the criminal organization is facing a a real genuine fear of being investigated and, and Collapsing, They will do a limited hangout where they will give someone to them, where it gives them an acceptable amount of controversy for them to send to prison or execute. And then the criminal organization as a whole continues to operate uh, as it did before. Right. Uh, if we wanted to be very conspiracy minded, couldn't we say that isn't it strange that Brian Singer hasn't been brought to justice for all of the credible allegations against him, but only certain people have. Wouldn't it be weird if the media apparatus, the the mainstream American media apparatus, just chose which celebrities uh, or which producers or directors it could give up the easiest and then just gives those up and protects the rest and maybe even builds a narrative against those people once they've weighed the risks of doing so?
1: Right, yeah. So, like, there's this, there's an organization, and they like give up a sacrificial lamb or a fall guy every so often to like get the media heat off their back. Meanwhile, the most prolific or most well known uh, bad people, I don't know what to call them, get off scot free.
0: Yeah, you know there could be there's many accounts of Kevin Spacey being a creep, but at some point in the in the past, for some reason, those get significant traction. Uh, do I truly believe that? Absolutely not. I think it has a lot to do with like visibility, but mostly luck that these people end up being caught. But uh, maybe one could say that maybe these people are being sacrificed so the whole larger thing can continue to operate.
1: I was thinking about this in relation to the Brian Singer thing earlier and and also the the Corey Feldman thing that we were talking about last week. And this is full brain zero credits conspiracy brain going on. But what if there like there's this weird thing, like you make it in Hollywood in quotes, but to do so, like you have to like join in this weird child sex thing. And it's so like, now they've got blackmail material on you. So you can't ever sell them out. and they can continue their weird, obviously gross and messed up, you know, thing they've got going on. And they've got protection because they're bringing more people in and like normalizing it. And also they're pinning, like they're they're setting up dominoes to fall in case of emergency. I don't know. I think about that sometimes because it seems like why would no one speak up? It's like, well, because they're being basically blackmailed not to because to get into the club, you have to go through this process or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, do I believe that's happening in Hollywood? Probably not. Do I believe that's happening in politics? Almost certainly, uh, but yeah. that's for another time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like a hazing thing. It's like a fraternity thing. It's like, oh, we all got to, or a gang thing. You all got to break the law to fit yeah, in. You all have
0: to break the law together. And then it's the same reason why dirty cops make good cops, like, steal things from the evidence locker. If everyone's dirty and everyone's on the same page, you all have dirt on each other, so you protect each other.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the blue code or whatever. Yeah, bad cops don't let good cops be cops. Exactly, it's true. And you see, like, that's a media, too, so they got it from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Seems like the world's real messed up right now, and I don't know if we did anything to solve it. I think we just talked about it. I don't know.
0: Hey, talking? We we signal-boosted locking up Brian
1: Singer, so... Yeah. We did some good. Hopefully, hopefully that results in something. If not, yeah, you know, this is going to get into the weeds too much, but I feel like things have to happen in like these cyclical waves. And each time the wave gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until it's impossible to ignore and it topples something. And that's what creates change. And so I, I hope we're st- uh, starting a wave or, or contributing to an ongoing cyclical wave to try to, like, actually enact change. Because change, like, they, it doesn't happen overnight. So it has to happen in these weird cycles of hyper-attention given to the problem. And w- our only hope is that this wave of hyper-attention given to a problem is the one, the last one we need to enact change.
0: Hey, I mean, to, to paraphrase to paraphrase Cloud Atlas, what a gross... What a gross thing to say but to paraphrase uh, cloud atlas what's a wave in the ocean man it's just a series
1: of drops yeah yeah i feel like that's where we should uh, we should leave our friends tonight on that we're drops cloud. baby we're drops baby read cloud read cloud atlas
0: <laughs> no 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 please read cloud atlas not read cloud, cloud Atlas.
1: yeah read cloud at 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 Wow. I don't know what's happening to my brain lately, but I cannot speak. Oh, no. Did you
0: know that uh, one of the symptoms of coronavirus is uh, bad brain?
1: Oh, God. I feel like a lot of people are in a lot of trouble if they hear that. Ooh, boy. Wait,
0: I'm editing this week. That means you have to do social media.
1: Now we've got bad brain. Let's get in the social media game. Let's do this. I'm the Uh,
0: bad brain.
1: Duh. If you want to send us your musical stings with bad brain somehow mixed into them, uh, Twitter's probably the best place to do that. So get at us on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And my good friend Aaron Braun can tell you exactly what that stands for.
0: That's right, Hamilton Henry, that stands for Zero Conspiracies Prove Criminals, Whereas Handguns Justice.
1: Parody, that's right, that's what that stands for. And if you want to send us a longer, fully composed song where you have subbed the word bad brain just everywhere where instances of yellow Submarine take place, all you got to do is get at us on our email at... Well, it's not at, because there's an at in it. Just send an email to email at zerocredits.net. The redirection is working. Right? Yeah. Okay. We're also on Facebook, but Mark Zuckerberg's an idiot, and all of his stupid... Advertisers are pulling money out of it, so it's it's just a sinking ship. So find us on Spotify instead, where you can find us. If you go to the podcast section of Spotify, it's a thing. It's real. There is a podcast, a podcast, a podcast section of Spotify. You search zero credit open parenthesis as close parenthesis. You will find us right under Joe Rogan. We are right under him. We're just if we could just get a few more listens. We'll be over in the no time. That's our, our real plan. We're also on Apple Podcasts. That's right. It's separate from Apple Music or iTunes. I don't know. But if you go to Apple Podcasts, you'll find us by searching for zero credits. And that's where you can leave a star rating and a review. And the more people who do that, the higher on these made-up charts will, 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 will rise. And then finally, we can get our sponsor with G Fuel. That's all I want. I just want to sponsor with G-Fuel. It's the only thing I've ever wanted in life. But last and not least, uh, besides drinking G-Fuel, the only thing that we ever have ever asked from you is to use your word of the mouth to spread this podcast like a vaccine. That's right. You tell one person, and they'll tell two people, and they'll tell three people, and just like a vaccine, we'll all be listening to zero credits and we'll be inoculated from the, the awful, bad half-truths of the world. Well, I mean, we also sprout half-truths, but they're not bad. They're funny. We, we're we the funny half-truths. I'm getting two in the weeds. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Get out of the weeds. Coming from the cold. Come listen to our podcast. That's the only way we're all going to survive.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up, Henry, because we are uh, both in the rankings and physically under Joe Rogan. That's right. Joe Rogan does record in the podcast studio above us. Um, And I haven't gone out to buy groceries in a while. I've just been surviving off of the pieces of elk meat and DMT that slip between the cracks of the floor. Uh, so if anyone would like to purchase me some G fuel or maybe some granola, that would be greatly appreciated.
1: Wait, what do you think the G in G fuel stands for? It's, gr- it's granola fuel.
0: Oh, that makes so much more sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's lique- liquefied granola.
0: I'm going to say with all this elk meat and DMT, I'm tripping balls off. Tripping, yep, that's what I meant to say. I'm tripping balls off and I haven't pooped in three
1: months. Right, and I have a weird urge to fight a gorilla.
0: oh, I have a kettlebell that uh, that would interest you. It's shaped like a chimpanzee's skull.
1: yeah, doesn't he talk about fighting gorillas? I don't know i I've never hey Jamie to- Jamie
0: jamie uh can you Jamie, can you pull up that video Jamie, can you pull up that video of a giraffe eating a baby? Can you pull up that what? can you pull up that video of a of a chimpanzee ripping its own face off? Uh, Can you pull up that video of of Ronald Reagan on fire? Thanks, Jamie.
1: So does he have like a producer named Jamie or something? Yeah, that's the joke. Okay, that really freaked me out because my wife's name is Jamie. (laughs) Oh, your wife
0: Jamie produ- hold on wait is it no it's far too late in the episode we can't it's do far- that we
1: are actually oh. in the outro right now wow it is impossible to do that right now this is
0: unprecedented
1: it, you know yeah. what you could do what
0: you could do a wife so she could say bye
1: I gotta check to see if she's even here but I'll do that alright hold on alright we need you to do something very important Something really, really important for us. Okay. So, we're going to sit back down on the couch. Yes. Okay. Alright. So, this is a wife check, right, John? Yeah, this is a wife check. This is a... Wife check. Alright, we need to do something really important for us, Jamie. Yes. We just, <laughs> <laughs> we just need you to say goodbye. We just need you to say goodbye. Say goodbye to all the fans. We just need you to say goodbye. The episode's over. The episode's <laughs> over. This is the last thing it we do we just, we just need you to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of
0: breath. You ran out of breath. <laughs> 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 didn't take um, a large enough breath to before I thought about that
1: joke. We just need you to say goodbye.
0: Well can I can I say it last?
1: Yeah, we just need you to say goodbye. All right. That's all we need you to do John, why don't you say your goodbye first? Oh, uh, goodbye. I'll say goodbye and then Jamie would need to say goodbye. 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 Good goodbye. No goodbye. 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 No, goodbye. 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 Goodbye, goodbye. 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 What does this end? God be with you. Goodbye.